Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome again to our show, Med Family. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Acker, and of course, hosting with Karen Acker. Hi. So we are just doing a quick update after the the Thanksgiving holiday. We just finally wrapped that up, and I think last week we weren't expecting the podcast to go for as long as it did, and this week uh, we are happy that it's, it's uh, well, this week we'll see if we make it to... I think it'll be a little short this week, I mean... We say that, but then we end up going like 45 <laughs> minutes, so... Yeah, but I mean, both Eric and I are getting over being sick, that was one of the joys of... In case you're curious, that is Karen, <laughs> just with a little slightly deeper voice. Yeah, yeah, apparently when I get sick, I get hoarse and low i don't know it affects my vocal cords i would wish i would say i'm handling being sick better than karen but i've also she's like giving me like two extra hours to sleep every morning so (laughs) (laughs) i think if if she was getting two extra hours of sleep she'd be doing better too well i don't know in all fairness i think it's common that as you start doing your your um cores and residency and all your electives and all of that stuff. I know I said that out of order, but your immune system, you're going to be bringing stuff home and your immune system is going to be put to work. And probably after like the first three years, you might stop getting sick as often. (laughs) But um, I have to say out of like everybody that has gotten sick so far out of our core group, like Patrick was on here and he, he was during his peds rotation, he got pink eye and Joseph was on here and his, daughter got rsv and joe has joe come on yet uh we haven't had joe leave we had joe joseph call but he's been sick a few times yeah joseph calls been sick a few times he, he joe by he he got the flu from his pizza rotation so like us getting a cold is not the end of the world and quite frankly i don't even think it came from the pizza rotation like i'm sure it's from one of our lovely friends <laughs> that we visited at some point <laughs> Seth and Brittany, they've had it. Kylie it's and Brandon, they've had it. I mean, it, it, it's gone through everybody. And, and our kids had it. Our, our kids us. had it two weeks ago. And so I was thinking we were all in the clear. But I think just having company over and getting ready and trying to get everything done. And then um, the kids are not sleeping. They're waking up at 530 every morning. So and we're not going to bed. We haven't been going to bed before 11. Yeah. It's that. So I think we're just a little bit run down. So we finally got it. And <laughs> <laughs> But all in all, it's not the worst out of all the things we could have gotten, right? But thankfully, we didn't get it until after Eric's parents left. So I don't know. Hopefully we might have they given dodged it. To them. it. We, hopefully they dodged it. But it's probably the best time to get sick in all of this thing. Like Eric has, it's his three-week online rotation and... Really, he has the Christmas break, too, so it's really five weeks. So even if we got something horrible, like, this would be the time because you have the extra time, right, to yeah, for sure. lay, ne- lay in bed if you needed I, I to. I have easily five weeks until I have to be in person again, and so I have plenty, plenty of time to get over a cold. 
I plan on to get another, like a flu or something. I don't <laughs> want it, you know, knock on wood here. But uh, we don't want to get more sick. But realistically, this is the perfect time, like Karen was saying. Not, and you're not really feeling all that bad. I, I've known other people who've gotten sick who felt much, much worse. So Yeah, you didn't. I feel like I got it worse than you did. So far. But, I mean, again, like I said, if you had two hour, extra hours of sleep every morning, you might be doing better. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, as Karen was kind of saying, we, we, we got through Thanksgiving. Uh, my my parents came by uh, for a few days, and that was nice. You think it went okay? Yeah. I mean, I forgot a few things. Like, we sat down to eat, and I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't make the green beans. Oh, well. Like... Didn't put butter in the I forgot to potatoes. put butter in the cheesy potatoes. It was it tasted in the microwave fine anyway. the, the next morning. And Eric's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> so my brain wasn't all the way there. but uh, Your rainbow unicorn cake was a massive success? Well, it was a massive success with all of the adults. And all the kids loved how it looked. I put lemon curd like every other layer. And the kids helped me make the lemon curd. And they licked the spoon when we made the lemon curd, and they all said it was yummy, but apparently in the cake, it is yucky. They decided they didn't like lemon, so... It's just... They're just kids. They don't know anything. <laughs> they still say yucky whenever we have, like, steak or something, so... Right, right, but that was that was thoroughly disappointing, but all the adults liked it, so... <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, so that, that the Thanksgiving dinner is in the refrigerator, and leftovers are apparently my job. Uh, <laughs> leftovers are always Eric's job. Oh, it's so much leftover food. <laughs> well, no, I made split pea soup the other night with a good portion of ham, and the rest of the ham is probably gonna go into the freezer, and I will dice it up and use it for breakfast burritos or more soup or whatever later on. And I do have like the rest of the cheesy potatoes. I'll make pork tenderloin with those or something, and I can use up the I can use them in portion with another meal i just have to think about it a little bit so as we we close the books on thanksgiving karen has like any good american household apparently has switched over directly to christmas time no 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 no. i got given so much crap over the two days saying because i told his mom that i wasn't going to decorate for christmas because we weren't going to be home for christmas so why would we get a tree that is going to die in our house. And it's a fair I, point. Yep. And why would we string up lights when we're not going to be turning them on? Like, why would you climb under the roof if you didn't have to? And all those things. But I got so much grief. We now have a fake tree and it is set up yeah. and the kids are very excited. The last weekend, Karen has been sending me Facebook marketplace ads for Christmas trees. And I've been slow. I've been. Ignoring More them. or less ignoring <laughs> them because I don't particularly love fake Christmas trees. But it finally dawned on me that we probably should get one sooner than later because Karen has a point. A live Christmas tree that we might leave alone for a week, a week and a half is going to be dead by the time we get back and it's possibly a fire hazard. So a fake Christmas tree does seem to make sense as well as the fact that I think Christmas trees in the South probably are a little bit more expensive since I haven't seen too many evergreen tree farms like we do out West. It does make sense. So today I finally bit the bullet and messaged one of the people that she had sent me and we got a tree and it's now set up. Needs a little bit of work on the lights, but otherwise it's it's a tree. (laughs) We haven't gotten down our Christmas box. I don't even know what all we saved from our Christmas box. I know we saved the ornaments. There's some lights. And the 
Oh, is there? Okay. Mm-hmm. We saved a good amount of stuff. Yeah. Who knows? We'll we'll get that done eventually, and we have some garland that I can I can put up, but though that is not stored in plastic bags. That's or that's stored in plastic bags, not plastic totes. So that's gonna have to get laid out first outside <laughs> to make sure that there's no bugs in it before it comes inside. You know. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so, Karen, uh, when did when did you finish your Christmas shopping? Before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So you're you're in the. Free and clear from here I'm on out. I'm in the free and clear. Well, that's not true. We still have to order your one your one gift. We'll see. You say that, but you talked about it for like a month or two that you wanted this thing. Yeah. And that it would be useful to you during school. Yeah, we might have, I might have uh, blown up the budget on Karen's Christmas gifts this year, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not intend for what I asked for to blow out the budget. I didn't. I guess I've never actually gone. Well, so... I've never so actually gone jewelry let's, let's shopping just back, for back myself. Up. So like, Karen has had this ring her grandfather has given her that has Well my my birth... grandfather made it for my grandma and okay. it's my birthstone. My after my grandfather passed, my grandma gave it to me. But it could not be resized because it was the the gold setting overlay. the ring setting was gold overlay, so you couldn't resize it. And then I did my annual trip to uh the jeweler that we got our ring for Karen's for Karen's wedding ring, and we usually get it dipped and cleaned. Just, and that's free. It, that's free. It's an annual thing, but it just takes a trip to Atlanta now to do. Uh, and so while I was there, I decided to go ahead and see if what it would take to put this birth this birthstone in a new setting. That jeweler did not want to touch it. Like they were just like, "Well, if we break the stone, we don't have a replacement, so we're not going to do that." So I had to go to a different place, and it ended up being a little bit more expensive than. Even I had imagined. Uh, I think it's going to look great, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just going to be a little bit more than I think we expected. Plus, you had the gift. is So, you're going to have a good Christmas. Yeah. Like, as much as we have talked about this for uh, years, we've talked about resetting this these stones for re- years into something that I could actually wear. And since both both my grandparents have passed now, so it, it it's sentimental value. I didn't mean for it to replace your gift we'll see that's (laughs) to be determined but otherwise karen is basically done with her christmas shopping and is going to be probably about turning the house into a christmas house i I saw that we had opened up a nativity scene for the kids to play with a toy that was that was that was from my sister my sister sent it to the kids to play with it's one of the little people play they played with that all day that that today was a breeze they played with that thing all day (laughs) I mean the you know the wise men were were throwing down and the camels were <laughs> <laughs> being like, traveling across the, through air travel, but they had a good time with it. Yeah, yeah. So that'll stay out, and we'll get our our other nativity out, and that'll go on the mantle, I think. Yeah. So that's essentially how the I guess the home fun has been going more or less. We we had survived Thanksgiving, had a successful Thanksgiving dinner. In law, you know, Karen has of course had the in-laws come over and my, my parents come over and that went well, I think. So I think last week we had, as we, uh, so I wanted to at least follow up on some of the things we talked about last week. So shelf exam was on Wednesday. Uh, they, they actually got the score back to us very quickly. Like with about 24 hours later, we got the score back. I did pass. I know on the, I think the podcast I was saying, oh, I'd be happy to get a pass or even a high pass. And, but secretly in my mind, I'm thinking I want honors. <laughs> like I always want honors. 
And I kind of thought I knew enough and I was doing well enough on some of the practice exams to feel like maybe honors was within my grasp. I ended up getting a high pass, which is, it was disappointing for me. <laughs> he was mopey for like half the day. Well, I mean, you, it's think fine. You, you think you know something pretty well and you're like, ah, I didn't get the high score I wanted to. And, and truth be told, just reflecting back on it, I didn't do all the questions from UWorld on pediatrics. I'd gotten to a bunch of them, but I hadn't finished them out. So I didn't do as many questions as I had on psych, which is my, my honors, my honors shelf. So maybe hindsight, make sure I get those question banks done faster. And I'm, I'm getting, I'm still getting my feedback from my uh, iHuman cases from pediatrics and those are going well. I think I had slowed those down on how I was submitting them because I wanted to make sure if I got feedback, I could adjust to it. Truth be told, I didn't need to do that. I just needed to submit. I just needed to submit them right away because I've gotten feedback, but it's just been like great note. That's that's good to know. Good to know I'm on the right track there. But I, I did slow down a little bit to try to make that happen through a week just to make sure I could cor- course correct if there was any adjustments. But but the shelf exam uh, went well. I wasn't pressed for time on it. Uh, it still was 110 questions for the pediatric exam still a behemoth of an exam but i think it went pretty well again having a high pass is is not nothing i mean it was a still a tough exam but i felt like i knew a good portion of the material i think the biggest subject that the printout told me that i needed to work on was probably emergency department pediatrics which that was a little hit to the ego because you kind of think that you should be able to do stuff in a pinch in emergency situations you would know what to do but that doesn't uh, bode well when I have like I was below average in those sections so it's something to kind of continue to look at and work on because obviously I still have a sh- I still have step two which will probably include pediatrics well definitely will include pediatrics yeah so question for you because you're talking about your soap notes and whatnot do you think that having worked in a clinic before and having had to go through doctor's notes and physician and all that stuff to get insurances to cover things that you are more aware of what wording to use and how to articulate a note better than your average person because you know what you would need so yes and no and this is something i've actually talked to uh, other students with who have been scribes so they've worked extensively writing the notes for the doctors and even they've kind of opinion that if they would go back to being a scribe, they can write a way better note now than they had before. So there is some, I guess, learning and adjustments we do as we learn about medicine and we learn what's important information, what's not. But I think there is a yes to that question because at least as far as organization and how you organize your note and how you make it readable. So if someone is scanning for your note, they know exactly what they're looking for. If they're looking for a physical exam finding they know to scroll down and see exactly what they're looking for and uh, and what the exam finding was spelled out pretty well because one of my uh, doctors I worked with for some of the physical exam findings he would just put a plus or a negative depending on if the test was positive or negative and if you were did not know that if you were just scanning through you would just be very confused about whether the patient had had a McMurray's test or whatnot and how, you know, whether they had certain positive signs for meniscus tears and stuff like that. So making it readable, making it so that anyone can look at your note and know exactly what 
what you were thinking about. I think that's something that the school has done pretty well, but also background of working, uh, looking at looking at lots of doctor's notes and trying to extrapolate that information so that the insurance companies wouldn't have as hard of a time approving something because they couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. And then again, just making things very clear, even in the plan, making very clear and concise plans, making very clear and concise assessments. So again, everyone who reads your assessment knows exactly where you came from and you're trained to thought. And that's something that all of our preceptors kind of hone in on as well. They, uh, especially in psychiatry, the preceptor made it a big point. Like when you're presenting, when you're writing the note, whoever is reading it needs to understand what train of thought you are following. And then if you're presenting, like, you know, the patient had this followed by this and this and this, they can see that you are leading them down towards a certain diagnosis and that anyone reading that will also will be following that same path to the same conclusion. I think, yes, I did learn a lot as a surgery coordinator about what to look for. And I think it especially has come in to help when I want to make my note, for lack of a better word, pretty. <laughs> and they are lengthy. I won't, I won't lie. My, uh, I do kind of take from my sports medicine uh, doctor I used to sit behind. She would write very long notes. And she had a scribe that would write a good portion of the note, and then she would go back in and, and add a bit more to it. And I've kind of taken from that and go, yes, a lot of a lot of patient history is good. And so my notes are pretty lengthy and detailed. And I think that's probably why I don't generally get knocked down points for my notes. But that does mean that they take a little extra time. But I, since I, I did start OBGYN this week, I am... Uh, five notes in now, I think. Out of nine? Out of nine. So I'm, I'm getting close to being done. I think I have one more day and I will be pretty close to being done. And you probably... So Eric has actually stayed home Monday, Tuesday. So because... I think he did it because I was sick and because he didn't want to contaminate anybody at the yep. skill center. So he's been hiding out in our bedroom. I actually haven't seen you with headphones on. No, I just... But um, I'm just work. <laughs> so he does have a lot more background noise than usual, and he he'll come out for lunch, and the kids get really excited about that. So I'm sure that if he would have actually gone to, the, I gone to campus, I might have. He, yeah, he might have gotten it done by now, but maybe. Like we said, we do have it, technically Eric has five weeks until he starts up, so it's not as I don't think either one of us are thinking it's as pertinent that you stick to the you have all all of your eye humans done in the first two days and then you start your whole study yeah. regimen because you do have a little bit of extra time you got a lot of flexibility but i mean at least i'm gonna say maybe a week of that is gonna be christmas, traveling christmas vacation or traveling we're trying to solidify all of that now but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see and so as part of that part of that studying goes is the the inky cards. Uh, I've actually kind of noticed a, a bit of an issue I've had with my my OBGYN inky cards. Usually if I go somewhere and I have to wait in line like the post office or if I'm picking up an order for our dinner or whatever, I can usually pull my phone out and instead of playing a mindless game, I can do my inky cards. I, I mean I may not get through my 50, but I'll get through a good portion of them. But for OBGYN, <laughs> these inky cards have pictures associated with them, and I don't. I hope. I hope nobody looks over my shoulder when I'm looking at my inky cards. But then you you get like these giant penises that have like ulcers on them because OBGYN is sexually transmitted diseases. So you have to. Oh. Or you'll get like 
vaginas and <laughs> so not exactly things that you uh like you want someone looking over your shoulder seeing you looking at like it's not it's not exactly public friendly <laughs> <laughs> so you, you try to do it you try to be like as discreet as possible but it's like okay this is going to be a little bit trickier than just whipping my phone out and doing cards like i don't i don't think a child wants to see uh <laughs> no but i mean eric also does this at night like when we're relaxing and watching tv or something if i mean we're just re-watching shows so I know I can tell when he's checked out a little bit and is just doing inky cards and that's fine but it's it's still nice to just at least be in the same room for a while, for a while <laughs> have some other adult <laughs> yeah some adult time we did actually we did open up the a Nintendo Switch which is oh. for the kids quote and unquote <laughs> it's our family gift we we decided that was what we were going to do. I mean, we, we had contemplated, I think at the beginning of the year, we had talked about maybe Legoland or um, we had contemplated getting, what are those racetracks? The, um, oh, the slot car racetracks. The slot tracks. car racetracks oh. or the Switch or whatever. But Eric would come home. You haven't done it for a little bit. But it used to be that Eric would come home and if the kids were good... Then Eric and the kids would play Mario Kart on my iPad and Eric would play on his phone and they could race against each other. And so I am in the process of trying to reclaim my iPad <laughs> as mine and not uh, something for the kids to play on. So we decided to get the Switch because then the two oldest and mom and dad can play all together on the TV and if there, I, I have been looking it up and there are some educational games. So we might do it as like a reward for doing your reading without complaining or. Yeah, kind, it, it, kind, could, it could be implemented to a lot of things yeah. that we want to do. Yeah. And plus there's a 11 hour car trip that we're going to take <laughs> to and from <laughs> Texas. So yes. that might be helpful. For passing the time for some of the at least the two olders yeah well that won't be for the until the way back yeah it was, it was supposed to be a christmas gift so we're not supposed to open it for the kids until <laughs> christmas that's the plan anyway we'll see how this all goes but but yeah. we, we we got to open it up and try it out and i'm kind of glad that we did because it took like an hour and a half to download the first game so yeah. that would have been a little frustrating with the kids hanging over my shoulder and is it done? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, so this is good. And we got to practice a little bit and find out that Karen's a lot more of a natural at Mario Kart than I am, which is a little I disappointing. Owned him. <laughs> she cheated. I'm sure she did. Yeah, because you could cheat at that. Yeah, for most of them, though, you didn't have to press a button to go. And that that's cheating. I had to put. a You button. just hold it down. It's not affecting your driving skills at Whenever. all. Whenever. <laughs> cheated. Um, I didn't cheat. You're just a little bit of a sore loser. <laughs> so I think as far as school goes, I think the game plan is to finish up the iHuman within the next day or so. Uh, continue working on the Inky card. So again, it's kind of still following that same game plan. I am taking someone to the airport tomorrow morning. So I should be back early afternoon, uh, late morning, early afternoon. And so that will kind of put a little bit of a delay in the studying schedule. But so then I think we're going to just go ahead and start Q-Bank questions and 
move towards at least just mastering as much as we can about OBGYN before we get to the in-person stage, especially since the, the previous people who've had the preceptor for OBGYN have mentioned that the hospital stopped allowing surgery shadowing essentially so it's only in office only so which is a bit of a bummer a little bit of a drawback there well the the hospital itself got bought out so there's they're working on renewing the contract with the new owners of the hospital so it's nothing that the school really has done it's it's just a new organization politics of the hospital eh? i'm hoping I'm hoping that they get that solved by the time I have my in-person because I would really like to do some more of the surgery time. I think that would be more valuable than another shadow rotation. With uh, I'm sure it would be good and, and fun to shadow this OBGYN, but sometimes surgery, you have a lot more opportunity to do things and show what you have. So I would like, I would hoping that they have solved this, they will have solved this issue by the first of the year. But the goal is to, I think, get through as much OBGYN as possible. I know I haven't told you this, but my other goal is to maybe start refreshing my memory on EKGs so that I can read them better. Because I'm sure one of my next rotations after OBGYN is going to be either internal med or pe- sorry, internal medicine or surgery. surgery. I probably won't need EKGs as much for surgery, but I will definitely need to know how to read an EKG for internal med. So. The sooner I learn that, the easier that rotation's going to be. So I'm trying to chip away a little bit at my 12-week rotations while I have a little bit of time. I actually might take one of my other classmates up. He had a suggestion to kind of pre-do your presentations because internal medicine has a decent number of presentations you have to give. Oh, okay. And he had a, a few preceptors that were heavy on time and heavy on presentations so you were always short on time to do your presentations and prepare them so i might try to take them up on those topics and just try to pre get those presentations done that way again i can coast through that rotation and do as well as i can and spend most of my time studying the material and less of it trying to put together a powerpoint presentation so that's that's my my current goals for the the next five weeks yeah and if you're going through your cores and i would definitely i this is something that we've kind of alluded to because we we ask we talk with students that are ahead of us by about a year but we are also talking to students who are coming up behind us and at the same time kind of just your uh cohort you're talking to them about their like you know that you're going into ob next you know your preceptor is most likely um, for OB is Dr. Brooks. Yeah. For guys, anyway. For, for the guys, because he'll take the guys. And so you get to kind of know, like, how that preceptor works. And um, if you reach out to, to the people who have already had them, and they reach out to you when they have one of the one of the doctors that you've had. So sharing that information with your fellow students and, and asking for that information in return is, has been helpful. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, I've seen students do this as well. So it's not just me, but... I've had students ask like just very basic questions. Do they prefer you to be in business casual? Or can you wear scrubs? I mean, it's just right off the bat, uh, some pretty simple things day one, so you don't screw up. But also, I think to Karen's point, I, I wrote down a lot of notes on my pediatric rotation because it was my first three weeks of pediatrics. I didn't have it online. <laughs> I went straight into that rotation, and I got hit by a tsunami because I got. There was a lot of information I think my preceptor expected me to know, and I just couldn't figure out how to prepare. 
And I so I was writing down all the things that we had discussed. He went over, and I mean, what he did was actually really helpful for my shelf exam. There was plenty of things that he talked about that ended up on my shelf. So he was actually one of those one of those in-person rotations that was very helpful in the shelf exam. But it's I wrote down all that information so that I can share it with other students because it's already hard enough to kind of jump into a rotation and not know a lot of information. It's even harder when you're just blindsided left and right. Anything you can do to prepare ahead of time, you know, will probably make your rotation just a little bit better and it will impress the preceptor. And if you want to go into pediatrics, you want to impress the pediatric preceptor. So it's something I've definitely shared with other students. Obviously, I don't I don't go into like, oh, I think the preceptor is, you know, I don't, I don't go into like, you know, judgment on whether I think he's a good guy or not. And all my preceptors have been good people. Don't get me, I'm not trying to say that they aren't. But it's more of just, this is how you can expect things to go. This is kind of how he operates. And so just be careful. Like one of the th- pointers I gave was, clinic is a little bit slow. You'll see a lot of patients, but you won't do a lot of um, exams. You definitely won't be the primary person doing the exams in pediatrics. And there's going to be a lot of downtime. During that downtime, it's good to look at study material because when you don't think that he's looking, he's actually looking at your study material. (laughs) He's sitting there next to you and he's looking over your questions. And I think that's how he kind of figures out how he wants to, uh, which uh, topics he wants to talk about because he looks over your questions and goes, oh, they're talking about jaundice. I, I'm going to hit on jaundice for sure. It's also, if you if you know your preceptor is looking over your shoulder, you don't want them to see you browsing Facebook <laughs> or Instagram or whatever. So it's just lo- those little tips that kind of, I think, help students do better. And I kind of wish I had a little bit more of that because I, I, I did talk to a few people about this doctor. And I mean, sometimes you get the very blank, uh, blanket, like, oh, he's a great preceptor. You'll learn a lot from him. And it's like, that's good. You know, like I, I'm excited to do just about all my rotations, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm looking for an ed- how to get an edge on the rotation. I'm not looking for, am I going to be miserable or am I going to be happy? Like, I don't really care. I mean, I do care about if I'm miserable, but more to the point, I would much rather be prepared and know what I'm getting into and know what to expect and how to maybe change the outcomes if I can <laughs> uh, so I always try to give that advice to people because I feel like that's more useful than hearing oh he's a great doctor you'll learn a lot I'm like well that's great I mean that's we're baby doctors we don't know anything so any rotation that allows you to see patients and see conditions and pathologies you're going to learn a lot from so like that's great but give me a little bit more information you know what what can I expect what what should I do to prepare and if you're going into these rotations, definitely talk to the people ahead of you. And you, you can find the people who will give you the honest information and hopefully not skew you away from certain preceptors, but will tell you, hey, that preceptor is going to expect a lot from you. So be ready. <laughs> not to scare you, but like don't don't coast in on that and think that you're just going to coast through it. Yeah, because I mean, going into this next year, we do know that. So Eric will start the new year with in-person OBGYN. And then the last two cores that he has before electives is internal medicine and surgery. And both of them are nine weeks long. 12 weeks total. 12 weeks, sorry. You're fine, nine weeks in person, three weeks online. So just having talked to previous students that have gone through these, 
Like, I am not going to see a whole lot of Eric during those cores, depending on the preceptor. I mean, for when he follows the hospitalist, yeah, we'll probably see Eric. Yeah. But when he's, if he was to follow the... Dr. Lomboy, it's going to be... Or Dr. uh, Shigalapa. Yeah. They're It's going to be long days. (laughs) Six to seven or... Or longer, so you end up with a general surgeon. You might end up doing on-call schedules, which that is could something be weekends that, as well. Yeah, that so. could be weekends. That could be late at night or whatever. I'm hoping to have a few of those. And I don't want to necessarily wake up at like eleven o'clock, or I'm not usually in bed by eleven. But no, but I don't want to be up at like two o'clock in the morning and running to the hospital. It's not exactly my idea of fun, but. I do want to kind of experience a little bit of that lifestyle just to just to get the idea if I, if I want to do that. Yeah, and that's when we'll probably start making cold brew again so you can bring <laughs> coffee with you if, you if you need to. Um, but That's a good point. Yeah. I thought about this. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I thank you. I appreciate it. But just utilizing the resources that you have available to you, I think... I don't know if that comes natural to most people or not, but it's not something that I really thought of until we started well, it's like trying tricky. to figure things out. It's tricky in the clinical years because in the preclinical years or the basic sciences, you are with a big class. Uh, if you're on the island in Trinity, you have your cohorts of students who go to class and those who don't go to class, but they all live on campus and you, you kind of know where to find people. But in the clinical years, you know, like, all of the people you were in class with that you sat next to, now they have completely different rotation schedules. Like the guy I, I sat next to all through my pre-clinical years, he's got a, he did uh, internal medicine right off the bat. And then he, I think he did, he, he's one of those guys that kind of got a little screwed up a little bit with, they started on, I think psych. They couldn't quite fit They couldn't do the in-person because of a, a preceptor availability issue. So he jumped into family medicine online and so now he's back into psych <laughs> oh, is he in really? person. I think he's in person on psych. Uh, and then he's going to go take the shelf and then do family medicine in person <laughs> for three more weeks and then take the shelf. Oh, that's rough. So he's he's kind of got a rough hand out. But like I, I only really see him on Fridays when we go do sports. And so it is tricky in the clinical years to make those connections or try to connect with other students and get information that's why it's just important to try to reach out and sometimes cold call some of your, your classmates, sometimes just grab them their WhatsApp information and send them a quick message. And, you know, sometimes you, you'll have some students that won't message you back and that's just, just going to be the way it is. But hopefully you'll find a few classmates that go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I had that had that rotation. This is what you need to look out for. This is what you need to do to prepare. Like, this is how you're going to be successful. So... It is different in the clinical years because I think we've mentioned this many podcasts before, but the clinical years, like you don't have to hang out with people if you don't want to. (laughs) Like you, there are a lot of people in your class, in your term that you, you came up through with, and maybe you all took this uh, step one at the same time and you all started your clerkships at the same time. You don't have to, you don't have to see them unless you want to. So but also also means you don't get to see them unless you make the effort. Yeah, and make, it can make, make things <laughs> a little bit more difficult because, like, if they're on an internal med or a surgical and they're on call or whatnot, you may not see them for twelve weeks because you don't. <laughs> yeah, they just, don't have the availability, right? So 
I don't know. It is interesting. It's kind of fun. It's kind of kind of not. I mean, you develop these relationships within the first two years where you're all together. And then as you slowly go on to, with your medical journey, you're going to end up all over the place. So yeah. in, in two years, we're probably not going to be... Yeah, in a, you in might. A... <laughs> hopefully, you build relationships, and then you can so communicate. But it's going to be. I mean, you think back to your undergrad, your undergrad friends. Like, well, you went to medical school out in the Caribbean, so you didn't. Get, you don't get to talk to them hardly at all, and you only talk to them as you have the availability or you know whoever makes the effort. And then now we have our medical school friends, but like Karen said, we're going to go to residency, and you know maybe there's a few. Trinity students who take get into the same residency that I get into, but chances are, odds are, they're not. They're all going to be all across the country, and you know whoever you talk to, and hopefully you can maintain those relationships and you build other ones with your residents. So it's a it's a very transient lifestyle, realistically. I mean, for now, because you you do like what let's say you do internal medicine, and all you want to do is just internal med. So you do three years residency, you build three years of relationships with your re- your your cohort of residents, and then you go find a job, <laughs> and that could that could take you all over the country, and then you got to re- kind of build a whole bunch of new relationships with the people you're in practice with. So it it's a transient lifestyle for sure. It's not it's not super easy. Um, I think it's fun. It's a lot more fun in the in the third year third fourth year i'm sure as you're I, doing I mean, stuff <laughs> as we're getting closer to residency thinking about <laughs> residency thinking about match like um, it's a little less fun i mean there's a little bit of a definitely a lot more stress kind of coming up and as you get closer to a shelf exam it you know the stress does kind of creep up a little bit on you so there are definitely times when it's not fun <laughs> but like you are doing stuff you are like if you actually want to be a doctor this is kind of a good time um, but I also maybe want to just put a word in, like, if you're doing a rotation and you just, like, you're just not having fun, it just doesn't click with you, and you do another rotation and you get the same feeling, it doesn't mean you don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> like, maybe you just don't have rotations that work for you, or maybe those aren't the specialties you're going to end up in. So you've made it to third year. You're so close to the end. Just you might as well finish. <laughs> and and maybe keep trying, and eventually you're going to find something that's going to click, and then that's where you that's where you belong in medicine so oh well it, along those lines you want to tell them about the test oh uh yeah we part of i, I think we might have mentioned it we my some of my struggles between trying to decide between general surgery and internal medicine part of that i i, I have always questioned myself like do i like general surgery because i have a background in orthopedics for my seven years of working in an orthopedic department and knowing that I probably don't have a shot at orthopedics, that maybe I'm going for general surgery because it's as close to orthopedics as I'm going to get. Or, you know, do I actually like general surgery? Is it, do I like the procedures? Do I like the lifestyle? Do I like what that actual specialty is about? Because it's not about putting pins and hammering nails into uh, bones. <laughs> or do I like just internal medicine? So we had, again, this is one of those examples of Students have given me a suggestion, and I'm going to follow up on it. Uh, I had, when I was taxiing people around on the island, a few people, a couple, maybe a few terms above me, recommended a resource or a book about how to pick your specialty, how to pick what you should be doing in medicine. And a couple of weeks ago, I messaged them and asked them, what was that book called? And they said, oh, well, 
Here's the book's name, but there's a survey that the book basically does that's on Student Doctor Network, uh, SDN.net. I think that's right. Uh, it's uh, under resources. And you fill out a big, long questionnaire, <laughs> and you know, which is kind of like a personality exam, a personality test. See, like, what do you like? Do you like independence more than you like this? Do you, are you do you value knowing a lot about a you know knowing a lot about very little, or do you prefer knowing a little bit about a lot? Do you want to have long-term relationships with your patients? Do you <laughs> would you prefer? immediate results so those sort of questions so you answer all these questions and then it pumps out this list this list of like the specialties that closely match your personality and that was i think interesting i mean there were certainly some on the list that i i thought i could probably eliminate because like what they thought like how do i say that so that what they were looking at what i valued and applying to that um, like uh, interventional radiology is one. Like they like they. I think they pulled me liking um, control of my own time or something like that. And it's like I, I don't like it that much. Like it's not that high of a priority for me. So there's you can definitely go through the list and just kind of knock out a few just because you're like, oh, I kind of have a little experience in that area, and that that's not really for me. So it's not a foolproof uh, personality no. exam, but it actually was pretty helpful. Uh, at least looking at kind of confirming certain things like I think I had said I, I definitely don't think I'm going to end up in pediatrics and I definitely don't think I'm going to end up in family medicine and those were the two specialties at the bottom of the list so <laughs> and, well and it was interesting because Eric Eric had taken the test and then he sent it to me and had me take it for him like, like as, it, it, as if I was answering for him and we got some of the same towards the top and then we ended up taking it together well, we debated the merits of, you know, are you really a seven on, <laughs> on, on yeah. working independently or are you not, a, are you a nine or a six? Or... Yeah. So we, and the, I felt like after taking it, I mean, we did take it three times combined. We had a pretty good idea of what we, where we wanted to focus our extern. Yeah, which is, I think essentially is what we were wanting to get out of it, anyways. Yeah, I mean, it was basically what internal medicine, cardiology. Yeah, which that's a long. I mean, <laughs> poor Karen here. I she knew I wanted to go to surgery, and like, okay, well, five years general surgery residency, you you can live with that. And then it's like, okay, well, if he wants to do cardiology, it's three years internal med, three years cardio fellowship one to two years of interventional cardiology fellowship because I kind of would like to do cath lab stuff and I think that's how I would end up doing that so she she traded five years for seven eight. seven to eight it's fine <laughs> <laughs> we'll but get paid it's fine we'll see we haven't again we haven't done an internal medicine rotation we haven't done a general surgery rotation and who knows maybe I'll just fall in love with being a hospitalist and that's the lifestyle I'd like to live or maybe something different who knows I guess the whole point of that whole segment was basically to you if you're still you like medicine, you're excited about medicine, but you just don't know what you want to do. You're still kind of torn, which actually, this is pretty common in like even all my classmates, like ones who do, like there was a, a girl I was, I was, when I was doing my shadowing with pediatrics, 
she's like uh, she was doing the rotation with the doctor and i was you know shadowing with the doctor as well and she is like super duper smart like she was always top in the class getting really good scores very confident but we were during downtime i would just ask her like okay what do you want to do from <laughs> what do you want to do and she's like i have no idea <laughs> I have no well, she, idea she knew she didn't want to do peds like she she knew like certain ones she didn't want to do but like there are so many specialties in medicine and so many things you just kind of go down the list and go like well i can't say no, i say no to three things doesn't break the list down that much like doesn't narrow down my options this is something that maybe i would recommend because it's pretty common for medical students to not know exactly what you want to do some Students know exactly what they want to do. And it's actually even some that start knowing, I think a friend of mine, he started medical school thinking orthopedic surgeon. And now he has the grades to do that. Like he has the scores to get where he wants to get to. But he got through like all the preclinical years and was like, man, I love the medicine stuff. I love, I love the knowledge that I've gained. If I go into a surgery, orthopedic surgery to be specific, I'm never going to apply most of this pathology I've just learned. And maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I want to be internal medicine. And so he's, I think he's going through that decision-making process now. Maybe this questionnaire on student doctor network would be of some use to some people and helping them try to match their personalities up with a specialty, kind of at least giving you the idea of which way to look. And then maybe you can narrow it down from there. Who knows? Um, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That was a, I forgot we had done that. That was actually kind of It useful. was useful to us. So. It was useful because I'm, I'm kind of indecisive on some of these questions because it's like, well, is it the ideal? Like, do I ideally like to be high attention to detail or what's the reality? Am I, you know, real, realistically, how, how much attention to detail do I have? And so I have those struggles. So it was good for me to do it with you, Karen, because you can, you know, you're like, look, Yes, you're kind of like this, but not 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 a nine or a ten. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to be mean. It's no, you know, just, it's, it's good just... to it kind of keep you in check. Kind of. <clears throat> it de- it depends. Like if you're really interested in something, then yes. If you're if you're not, then no. You could care less. But like you know, there's always a scale, right? But I think this is probably a good place to end it for now. We've yeah, gone a I lot agree. longer than <laughs> than we thought. Yeah. But, but no, we have a, a week of just kind of getting back in the swing of online. And then I I probably should get a special guest in here at some point. Uh, that I've been kind of teasing it for a while. I just need to kind of pull the trigger and do it. I finally have my third microphone. I, I, I've, I've had three microphones before, but it, I had audio issues once. And I, I kind of narrowed it down to one of my microphones not being consistently good. And so I finally have upgraded to a different microphone that is of the same brand. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, it's hard for me to get away from something I know that works. Like it, we use Yeti microphones here. And so I finally upgraded to like the Yeti Pro. And Karen is now using my, my first microphone I ever bought that I know works well. <laughs> so we have a third microphone that I think is relatively reliable, so we should probably get a guest or two guests on here and and try to provide better content. Because again, the next five weeks are just going to be online, and we can talk a lot about online, but who wants to hear that? Uh, so we're going to, I guess, wrap it up for the week, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.